From the Bob Barley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion for the week of December 12th, 2012 from Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Warner, joined at the table this week by Tommy Sandvik. And that's it. (laughs) Dustin West back on the controls. Um, We're actually uh, pre-recording this segment. Uh, This will be going up while we we are on the podcast cruise coming up uh, December 8th through the 15th. Wanted to make sure we had some shows pre-recorded, ready to go up, uh, so that you guys aren't a week without a show. And uh, Tommy has come in, taken his Sunday, which I appreciate, to come sit with us and talk about Walt Disney World transportation. Yes. This is Tommy. Tommy's like a complete transportation geek. Yeah, more so than downtown Disney. And rumors both. (laughs) That that, that should tell you something. Yeah, Yeah, that should tell you something. Um, We were actually uh, at... Uh, downtown Disney uh, the other night for uh, doing our drink around uh, Corey's drink around the world segment and uh, we were joking around about uh, tweeting something about how awesome Pleasure Island is now and how much we love it the way it is now and uh, like doing like the hashtag you know Tommy Sandvik's head explodes (laughs) Um, and uh, but uh, we actually had a really great time uh, doing that Uh, it, it it was fun it was a lot of fun it was a lot, of, you know. For me, I don't drink, so I get to be, you know, the automatic designated yeah, driver. Yeah, I was watching your Facebook statuses yeah. while you were. Yeah, well, I enjoy well, paying well. to watch other people get drunk. Yeah, I uh, like that one. <laughs> but they did, and they, I, I will say that you know, both of them very responsible, and they they did great. But we'll talk about that. Right. Well, by the time this segment goes up, that segment will already really have been up. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're segment right. Segment goes up this week. Okay. So, Tommy. Um, you, uh, we can say this now because you are no longer in this role, but uh, you were a uh, you were a boat captain. Yes, for Disney. Yeah, um, anyone who um, I, I've never uh, I, I've made it clear on the boards, you know, a, in a number of places. Um, but yeah, I've been uh, I've been in watercraft uh, since January two thousand nine. I came as a CP. I uh, got trained on CP the being college college program. program sorry, college program and. Uh, Worked my way. Uh, I, w- I did that for a year, and then I went seasonal with the company and um, continued that uh, as I got my my full time job and um, in in the IT world. But I, I kept Disney and uh, eventually ended up being uh, trained on all three boats: the ferry boats, uh, the launches, and the uh, cruisers. And you pr- primarily did the Magic Kingdom runs. Yeah, all, all Magic Kingdom runs. Uh, once I got ferry boat trained, that was pretty much all I was ever on. So I, that would explain why when I went to the Enchanted Tales with Belle, I knew every single word to the Be Our Guest song. And she kind of looked back at me like, how old is this guy and why does he know every single word to the song? <laughs> <laughs> While there's a bunch of kids parading around with me. But yeah, so that was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, a lot of time spent on ferry boats. Um, I've seen a lot of changes um, you know, in the department and, and different operational things and uh, a lot of the reasons for people's frustrations and such. So I wanted to kind of bring that, that inside knowledge uh, as well as, I guess, general tips and um, to help people uh, specifically. Uh, I do know some Epcot stuff and, and Sasagula as well. Um, have some friends over there, managers over there that, uh, that left Watercraft. They kind of all get cross-trained now, so they're kind of all over the place, but... Well, in the background. one of the things I think I want to start off, and this might be throwing you a curveball, um, significant changes made to transportation policy after that horrendous monorail mm-hmm. accident a few years ago where that young man uh, died. Yeah, the um, I, actually, I, I kind of wanted to talk about, about the monorail accident because um, all this information is publicly available. The, the NTSP reports have been published. I've read through them all. I've read the radio communications. I've read all the witness statements, the interviews, um, as well as talking to cast, of course. And, yeah, you know, what, what happened there really was um, – it really was a perfect storm of events that led uh, – that, that really started back in the 90s when they started putting efficiency over safety. And that's something that they've reversed in recent years. Uh, but Do you really feel it was efficiency over safety? 
Yes, because they were, it used to be, for instance, I guess let's explain the accident. The accident happened because one train was transferring from the Epcot beam onto Express. To do that, they have to go in reverse. And it used to be that the trains didn't go in reverse. They had a pilot in the rear cab. But the amount of time that it takes to power up that rear cab, the entire monorail line has to stop during that power up and, and check procedure, which takes seven to eight minutes. So okay. wow. in an effort to be more efficient, they changed the procedure in the 90s to allow reversing through switches uh, with you know, no one behind you, uh, no one in, in the rear cab, I should say. And so that was, that was one thing in the past that led to this. And um, so that basically that procedure is what caused the problem. We had one train going backwards through a switch. The guy in the shop didn't switch the switch, which caused Monorail Pink to maintain its course on the Epcot beam while Monorail Purple was cleared into the station. And the collision occurred the way the, the, way that the monorails are. Um, if you're in, you're either in forward or, or reverse. But if you switch that fl- uh, that switch to go from forward to reverse, you have to be at a complete stop. So if you have forward momentum and you flip your switch into reverse, because of that forward momentum, it will e-stop the train. And so we kind of think that that's what uh, Austin did, the driver of Monorail Purple, was saw the collision coming, still had forward motion on his train, tried to stop and get it in reverse to back up and just didn't have enough time. Mm. Now, there were a a series of other things that happened, um, and and I want to be very clear um, because I've seen a lot of negative, um, and and I sent a a message before about this discussion. There's a manager who was on duty at the time who was taking his lunch break off property. That was not against policy at the time, and neither was it against policy for him to act as Monorail Central. So when they do this procedure, they have to... Uh, contact and, and, and various people, you know, central and monorail shop to do the procedure and give the okay. And at the time, he wasn't doing anything that was against policy. Now it is against policy. They fixed that. Right. They also modified the trains now to um, put, they, they modified the software. So what they do is they put someone in the rear cab uh, and they have an emergency stop button that's now active. So they don't have to power up that cab, but that cab has the capability to stop the train in the event of a possible collision. I know when I worked at the Animal Kingdom, that's exactly what we did. I, yeah. I operated the Wildlife Express trains, and any time that we had, any time there was motion, there had to be two people, mm-hmm. front and back, to, to monitor, and we both had e-stops, to, just in yeah, case. You exactly. Know. Yeah, so that that is the um, so Disney, you know, obviously took a lot of heat, and uh, that was not without merit in many in many ways. Right. Uh, it was definitely the perfect storm of things, um, you know. That would not now there are also just in, in unofficial things talking to people. The driver of Monorail Pink should have been able to see that he was in the wrong line when when he hit the station. Um, you know, and there, there's various other things uh, to involve, but th- that's the core of what the accident was See, I, I and what think, they've done to fix it. You know, of course, beyond thinking about the young man who died and how awful that was must have been for him, I also think about the driver of the other monorail yeah. and the manager who was off property. Like you said, that was not against policy. policy. Uh, and even though, you know, something awful happened, I can't imagine how they must feel, even to this day, yeah. how, how they must feel. Yeah. He, uh, the, the monorail pink driver, you know, left the company uh, after a, a, you know, brief hiatus. And uh, the other manager is, is still with the company. Uh, he actually was over Watercraft uh, for a period of time um, and then left. And he is um, over at Epcot now. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is one of the nicest guys. Uh, it, it's such a shame that his name gets dragged through the mud in the press with people that, that, that don't understand the inside of things uh, because he is one of the best managers so really that he, I've ever encountered. He, technically speaking, he did nothing wrong. Yeah, exactly. He, he did nothing wrong by, in terms of policy. You know, and now, should the policy have been that way? That's a different discussion. I mean, but to he be, didn't do anything wrong. To, to be honest, I think I was one of those people who, you know, was pretty vocal about the fact, what is this guy doing off-site? Yeah. 
uh, and I mean, understandably so. If you look at it and say, why, why right would that outside, happen? Exactly. You, it's really more the case of you cannot believe that Disney would allow that to to happen. And so it, it must have been against policy for him. And that's what kind of drives right. that, that, that thing in your head to not realize that that, that wasn't the case. So. And, you know, look, you know, uh, let's, be, let's be clear. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll rant on about Disney from, you know, on just about anything. Um, but when it comes to safety... If, and, and I don't think I'm wearing rose-colored glasses here with this either. I, I think when it comes to safety, it, when something happens, I, I don't go right to negligence. Yeah. Um, I go right to failure of imagination. Mm-hmm. Failure to imagine the scenario mm-hmm. that took place yeah. that caused this to happen. I mean, they really do put an enormous amount in to safety. And I know there, there have been a lot of questions as to whether or not it was... Uh, it was a scenario where there was cutbacks and there were, you know, cause this was, this happened not very long after there was a number of management layoffs, mm-hmm. uh, in the company back in 2009. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, an enormous number of people were laid off and there were enormous number of managers were taking on more responsibility than they had been before the layoffs. That's one of the ways Disney did it. And there were questions about whether or not that was, that played a factor here. And, but, uh, you know, it, it just, uh, that I, I just I, I just still so sad what happened. Yeah, it, it really is, and it it is. Um, you know, they've they've had monorails burned to the beam before, but no casualties. Right. Uh, you know, uh, long ago, and the, you know, not that there haven't been other scenarios, but but yeah, to uh, you know to have that happen, it was just the perfect storm of events. Um, you know, unfortunately, and at least they they really have. Um, gone back and and tried to fix that and um that the blog i did recently with the the interview with uh sam the current vice president of transportation um he said you know they're working through ways that they can now automate that process because now what's happening is (laughs) disney they like to when something happens they overreact um on on the flip side okay that now they they didn't just look at what happened and fix what happened they had to look at everything, right? And you know, to the what? point like they can't back up two inches without a you know call on the radio and this whole procedure, which is fine. That you so, know, I think that kind of goes to my my, my previous point when mm-hmm. it comes to when it comes to safety. If when when something happens, they, that's what they do. Is yeah. that it's not just let's fix this particular problem. Yeah, what they, else are we missing? They looked at everything, exactly. and they looked at everything across transportation, not just monorails, right? Um, and so. Um, because we, we had a period in there where it was like, it seemed like we were constantly in the news. And granted, that's because of everything that happened. It was really um, just a very picky eye coming from, you know, the Sentinel and whatnot. And um, did you feel the Sentinel was unfair during that? Uh- no, not not necessarily. But because, I mean, you know, that, that time when the Raya monorail got stuck and they had to like evac people out with the, you know, like they those trains that's a whole nother discussion <laughs> well we'll yeah. get there hold on i want to finish this this one the um the uh when, when they looked at everything they they did you know go a little bit they they took the most small the smallest details and tried to cover them but uh so now what 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 i said in the the latest blog in the interview with with um sam is they're working on a way to make it efficient and safe because right now what's happening now is that they're back to a a rather long procedure that causes 20 to 30 minutes of downtime every time they want to bring a train in and out of shop because there's addition you know just like they didn't just put someone in the rear cab and say okay go ahead and do what we did before no it's like all traffic stops no monorails moving. Well, I mean, if there's a monorail going through the switch and you you kind of good, right? I mean, from the safety standpoint, but you know the guests don't understand that, and all I, you know all I would hear is monorails are down. I'm like, yeah, well, welcome to Walt Disney World. But you know, you know what? They'll get over it. it right? They do. I Young mean, man lost his life. And exactly. And a lot of people still don't know that. I mean, the number of people that go up to that platform and ask to ride in the front or ask why they can't ride in the front, right? It still just boggles my mind that that. Well, I mean, most people are. Most people don't follow yeah, it like that, and it was several years ago now. Right. So, 
you know, so that and you know, as much as you can gripe about efficiency, uh, according to Disney's four keys or whatever they're calling it, that's the last on the list. Yes, that's true. You know, so they're they're trying to, they're, but well, they're hold trying. On, hold on, because get... that uh, that makes no sense to me as a not a okay, non-cast right. member. There, there's well, <laughs> they've they've recently changed it, but originally there were four keys, and it's uh, safety, courtesy, show, and efficiency in that order. Safety's number one, then courtesy, be nice to people. Then you worry about your show elements if you're in character or not and below all of that is efficiency everyone has to be safe and everyone has to be nice okay then they worry about doing it quickly (laughs) in a perfect world (laughs) so um you know now some of the other things that happened those trains are old and they break a lot a lot i when i was in ferry boat training we had a we had a downtime with monorails and you know ferry boats had to handle everything because a part fell out of monorail green over the water channel. I, by that, I mean the electrical water pageant, which is between that, that water channels between Grand uh, the Grand Floridian and the Magic Kingdom, and started a fire on the ground. Oh, my gosh. They shut down monorails because they were afraid if they couldn't contain the fire, it would spread to like where their main electrical equipment is back there and could cause a, a, a bigger problem if a bunch of trains are all over the place and they have guests in them. Okay, so, you know, they, the trains, any criticism that comes as a regard of breakdowns, not accident, but breakdowns, you know, they, they deserve. Because, in my opinion, they should be forking out the money and doing what's necessary to just get new trains. It's just, it's way overdue. And, you know, they, I, I will give credit where credit's due. They made the changes to the monorail operating hours. To a lot of criticism. Yeah. And I give full credit to Sam, because I'm assuming he's the one that had to make that decision. Maybe it also came from higher up. I don't know. But that took a lot of guts to do. And, uh, you know, I was fully behind. There's not many decisions I'm fully behind. I was fully behind that one because I saw it every time I worked. Let's talk about what that decision is for people okay. who don't understand or so, don't know. Sorry, the decision is um, that monorails stop running one hour after normal park close, not including extra magic hours, and they begin running. Well, resort starts running at six thirty in the morning, but Express doesn't start running until uh, one hour before regular park open. Okay. So, in the case of extra magic hours, uh, the ferry boats are now taking care of that load uh, for guests doing from the TTC and the gold route, you know, runs. So watercraft was added to uh, our hours were expanded to compensate for the monorails. And that was done because the procedure, well, number one, it was done because we had like three major holidays in a row where we had major monorail outages. Uh, one of them, like the bus bar, which is the, the bar that's on the beam that makes the electrical connection, mm-hmm. fell off the beam. Oh, my God. Like on a major holiday. Really? Yeah. So they started replacing the bus bar when they do this maintenance. But the, um, you know, you, you, you can't deal with a major, you, you, you can, and at one of the holidays, I, I believe it was a Christmas, monorails were down and ferry boats were down because of wind. At fireworks exit on Christmas Day. Oh my gosh. Yes. There were people, there was a snake of people you could see were walking to the transportation and ticket center, which is a huge safety problem. Yeah, sure. They're not designed to handle people. It's, but people were obviously up in arms and all we had are buses and we only have so many buses. Oh, and by the way, we have three other theme parks to take care of. Right. So, um, you know that that is that those are the reasons why monorail operations were reduced because they need to do the maintenance to try and stretch them longer i guess i wish they would just take the whole system down for six months and and redo it and do the upgrades that are necessary and be done with it but that's not the way they operate so you know we don't all get our wishes but that would be a wish list for disney uh from me and reopen pleasure island but so, <laughs> <laughs> no, you got to throw. I got to throw it in. Throw it in. Um, yeah. So it, it's really um, th- those decisions were made, and and they're trying to 
do better with that. And I, I completely support that. Um, but you know, so all, all the criticism that, that they took, uh, I'll give credit, you know, there to them for that. Um, but the, at the same time, so they, they, they tried to do something a little bit better, but at the same time, the other, other criticism they've gotten from the press when things do break down is, you know, they deserve it. Cause they should just, I mean, they have record profits and we can't buy new monorails. You know, to me, that's just... Well, it's record profits, but there's also an awful lot of uh, infrastructure spending going on right now. They just, you know, they're just opening Fantasyland. There's, you know, 400 million there. And, uh, you know, somebody's got to pay for Star Wars. Uh, Yeah. Well, and there's rumors that the route that they're going instead of expanding monorails is expanding watercraft and and buses. Um, Because, you know, the monorails are on their second or third generation now since opening i think only their second since since opening of disney world is it second or third i can't remember i thought it was third i'm gonna get angry (laughs) yeah you get angry emails yeah i'm gonna get angry emails from my friends um i think it is third uh but either way the point being that you know the ferry boats were brought into operation the the magic kingdom class ferry boats were brought into operation in 1972 and still are still running with only needing, you know, a new engine uh, for, for refurbs. Yeah. And because they're not as electrical, they don't require, you know, put a new engine in it or right. um, the Fowler just got a new transmission. So, okay, well, let's let's kind of switch gears a little bit. Okay. And, you know, you were talking about bus service, um, you know, buses, the bus service has not been without its challenges, um, whether it's uh, I mean, there was a there was a period of time, there's a period of a couple of years, it seemed to me that. We were hearing one story after another about an accident with the mm-hmm. buses or, um, you know, like bus drivers that were like kind of crazy, um, jumping curbs and you right. know, stuff like that. Um, what's going on with buses? Well, they've tried to, they've tried to implement a, a number of different things. Um, again, since we now have a consistent, because we mentioned the layoffs around the time of the monorail accident, that's where a lot of that was happening. Am I right? Like the years since then, yeah. Since yeah, so there was a there was a time of transition there um, where we didn't really have it. Was just kind of, I mean, at one time our VP of transportation was the VP of also of like wide world of sports and also the VP of another area of the company. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when you're a VP of three areas, you're getting spread thin. Yeah. And so I, I, now that we have the consistent leadership, they have, you know, really tried to, um, and they've done a number of things to eliminate as much as they can of that type of thing happening. Uh, for instance, you know, they're not using the, they're basically told do not use the microphone with the guests. They have really? all these automated spiels. Yeah, the, the the bus drivers that still do are, are breaking the rules. They're, and, they're and, told and not to do it. Probably one of the most popular things uh-huh. that yeah. the bus drivers do. I mean, that's, you know, when they, when they engage the guests like that, there is something special. But I guess it does kind of take their attention off the road. The road. Yeah. So, I never never thought of that. I never really thought of that. Yeah, so that's why they're you know. So they've done things like that. Um, they've really put a focus on, um, you know, on, on the safety, on the number. You know, they're constantly posting what are what are you know how many near misses did we have in the last quarter? How many you know accidents could have been avoided if this would have been done or that would have been done? You know, um, it, trying to really focus on making sure that you know the bus drivers are be- driving as safely as they can not encouraging them to, to definitely not encouraging them to hurry up. I mean, really emphasizing the safety over the efficiency. Well, and I think, I think too, one of the, one of the things behind that are the number of complaints that mm-hmm. we hear, you know, they say that if you're staying at a resort and you're waiting for a bus, you should not wait any more than 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah. Now I can tell you, as I'm speaking those words, I can hear the laughter coming <laughs> yeah. from yeah. Our, some of our listeners that, that doesn't, uh, you know, a lot of times, especially during the busier times yeah. of the year, that doesn't happen. Nope. And, you know, I, I understand the frustration with it. I understand why people would get frustrated sitting at a bus stop for half an hour yeah. um, when you're there. on vacation. <laughs> I've done it. Um, but are they doing any, I mean, have they added more buses? Have they done anything to kind of mitigate some of that during the busier periods? Or? They, they run as many... Uh, they run on a daily basis between 275 and 300 buses. These are things just because I'm interested. I randomly ask bus drivers to see, like, how many do we run on a daily basis and that kind of thing. I had no um, idea it was that many. Yeah, yeah neither did I. It's, it's huge. That's a fleet. It, I mean, that's a yeah. massive fleet of buses. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, and they, they, they created this um, 
like deployment in magic system i think right yeah called. <laughs> I don't know uh, the exact name of it, but it, the the idea is it's supposed to sort of dynamically route buses where it's needed. Right. And um, it's magic in motion. Magic in motion. That's it. Magic in motion. Thank you. Um, you know, and that. What did you call it originally? Deployment in motion. I think I was, <laughs> <laughs> deployment in magic. Cast deployment system and magic. That, uh, right. Deployment in magic uh, will be the the next uh, the, big, the next big celebration <laughs> the next of the celebrate. Magic Kingdom. That's celebrate. parade. Celebrate the deployment in magic. Um, Deployment of magic. That's what it'll be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they they have used that system. There's still issues with that system. Uh, it's almost like they they roll it out and they're like, yeah, it's going to work. And then they kind of back off from it and almost end up at more of a manual deployment. And then they decide that they're going to relaunch it again. And and they kind of do that. And so they're in this. Well, like, trying cycle. to manage 300 buses right. yeah. from an automated system is going to take some adjusting. I mean, yeah. they, they did this. And you mentioned cast deployment. Now cast deployment is uh, almost on an automated uh, system mm-hmm. now where they, they have a central location where there's a bunch of people sitting there telling people where to go at different locations. And I know a lot of the coordinators of the areas are upset because now they, yeah. they, they know better about than their a staff than a machine. Exactly. And I, so I understand why it would, you know, cause problems or why they would want to go back. Yeah. So there's always still, uh, when it comes to the deployment of the buses, there's always still a, a, an element of the human factor that is going to, because the machine can't know that they have to bring up what's called the mouse house, which is the, the, the bus transportation from the Magic Kingdom to the, the Contemporary and the Grand Floridian if, for instance, monorails are down and they need to help. You know, they need to pull buses from somewhere. They don't always have, you know, people have shifts and they have to, you know, take right. people back. So it's not the, the simple, when there's a service interruption, it's not a, a, a question of, well, just get more buses. Well, they have to have the staff. Right. The, people have to drive have to, them. They have to go through the checklist procedure. They have to, you know, bring them out of location and deploy them to the, it's not a smooth, quick, easy thing to do. So I think that a lot of the time, um, you know, because at the, at the theme parks, they're well aware of who's waiting where in the theme, in, in the theme park lines. Right. They, they have a whole control center that they can see all of that. But at the resorts, it's a little bit more difficult. So what they've done is, um, talk about the college program, one of the things they've done to try and help this is they have an exorbitant amount of college kids that they bring into transportation and they call them bus greeters. And they deploy them in the morning to the resorts and they're given a radio. And those people will a, a kind of entertain the guests, if you know, and whatnot. But they will tell deployment what lines, you know, this bus was full and need another one. Wow, that's and a really so, good idea. I didn't it realize is, they were yeah, doing that. Yeah, they 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 do do that. Um, and that has, I think that that's another step to try and get eyes on these locations that that whose sole purpose is watch the buses. You know, make sure that it's okay, so it's not. A case of, you know, while well, the bus drivers are dealing with loading and, and this and the next thing and all the different things that come at them and then having to remember to call in and say, oh, by the way, I left another busload of people. Can you send another bus? And they, they have people dedicated to that. So I think that that has helped a little bit. But by, by, by far, the biggest complaints, uh, it was interesting because there was that blog that was done regarding Disney transportation, you know, kind of is it worth it? And that blog had a huge response in a thread and it almost entirely ended up being about buses mm. more than anything else. Um, and I think that's because of the, the dynamic element to bus deployment. It's not like watercraft and monorails, they're set. Right. You know, watercraft is a little bit variable, but for the most part, you have two boats on every route. And so, it, it, at least I'm at your kingdom. So, the, the, uh, that sort of that element just isn't there with, with buses you, because they do it in a dynamic way, which they determined at some point was better than having static routes. Uh, they, they've gone through some, I think growing pains with that and they're, they're trying to, to mitigate that. But the, by, by and large, you know, yeah, people definitely <laughs> complained. Well, now they're also doing things like they were testing the, uh, the, the, I don't know what the name of the accordion buses, right? Oh, What's the, the official name of them. I don't know, but they're two buses remember. in one. Yeah, you know, like you have in, in major cities that have a... Right, right. You know, so they're, they're doing that, and they're actually building a third bus loop at the Magic Kingdom. And that, that construction is underway. And one of the biggest improvements I think we're going to see is direct transportation from the Magic Kingdom to the other parks without going to the TTC, which is long overdue. You think so? Yeah. 
because that will take away that that extra step because it's leading to you're at the kingdom but you got to go across the lake take the right. ferry boat or the monorail and then you got to wait on a bus instead of having it right I'd, there i'd love to see them build any kind of walkway from banjo kingdom to tc ttc yeah there's a lot of people who would who would take it just because they don't want to yeah. wait there's just people don't like waiting for anything uh, and so, um, so that's that. That well, and, you know, and, look, and look, that that part is understandable. You're paying yeah. all this money, yeah, to be in this place and go on vacation, and there's so much to see that you want to get to. Mm-hmm. The last thing you want to do is spend your time waiting for transportation. Yeah, and it, it, it's interesting because that's the exact reason why I asked Bob Gurr on the podcast cruise 2.0, would they still do it the same way if they had to do it now? With 17.2 million people going through the Magic Kingdom attendance, you know, every year, would they still make that sort of long, drawn-out process? And he said yes. But you know, try explaining that when the monorails are down and the line for the ferry boat in the morning is all the way back across the plaza at the TTC. A little bit hard to explain to people. Hey, this is how Walt wanted it. <laughs> I tried that once. It didn't work so well. Yeah, and you got pelted with <laughs> eggs yeah. and rocks. <laughs> You know, I yeah, exactly. I, so. I, now, what? Um, so we, we've talked some about buses. We've talked some about monorails. Talk about you know your watercraft, your love, your oh, love yes. watercraft. Um, what are some of the you know what are some of the the common complaints and observations that you come across? Um, well, people, the biggest problem I see to our to our operation is. Um, as it stands, so there's three classes of boats. There's the launches, which are modified sailboats. And then there's the cruisers, uh, which are, I don't know, enclosed. They sort of look like the friendships. Right, the friendship high. boats at Epcot. Yeah, yeah they're, they're similar, I, just in terms of they're, they're covered and whatnot. And then, and then you have the ferry boats. So <clears throat> with the ferry boats, um, the, you know, the, the biggest issue there is just how long it takes to dock, the whole docking process. Uh, uh, that's always, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's interesting because... There's been incidents in ferry boats that didn't make the news, but the minute the monorail has something, boom, it's you know in well, the Sentinel. Wasn't but, that long ago? So, <coughs> some woman got either ran into or got hit by a ferry boat at the Magic Kingdom. No. She was on one of the water sprites, right? It, it, it was uh, Sasagula. That was uh, oh, okay. that was Sasagula. But the press tends to call a ferry boat anything that's. You know, a, a, a ferry by definition takes you point A to point B and back. But I forgot so where they, I was. I, I wasn't in town. I was traveling, and I remember yeah. hearing this. So I'm like, "How do you?" And I'm just imagining some woman in a water sprite running into that big old ferry yeah. that you drive, <laughs> saying, yeah. "Okay, how could you miss that?" Okay. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Um, people that rent, people get out of the way of the ferry boats. Okay, yeah, this is one of the things I look at. That I mean, no, uh. at, at the contemporary. The Polynesian, the Grand Floridian, Wilderness Lodge, Fort Wilderness, you like any other resort that's on a lake, you can rent either the water mice, which are the little like two seater jobs, right, um, or the uh, the pontoon boats, and you can go out on Bay Lake and Seven Seas Lagoon, where these other boats are traveling. What is that like for you as a pilot? I look at that and say, these pilots must be out of their minds. (laughs) Let me tell you, the radio is very close. Uh, So I'm going to say what I would drive during the day. You know, the biggest thing, the smaller boats, it's not such a big deal because on the launches and the cruises, you have a lot of maneuverability. You have fairly quick stopping capabilities. And for the most part, you just, we would just, we pick a direction and we make it very clear that we're going in that direction and we don't waver. We just, we sort of, put our foot down and say, I'm going this way. Don't and, get in and, my way. Yeah, don't get in my way. And they'll get out of the way most of the time. <clears throat> now, the ferry boats are a different, different beast because those ferries move six to seven knots full speed. And they move a lot quicker than you realize. Uh, and uh, even new pilots, when they're you know, crossing the channel in, in one of our boats, they sometimes cut it close when they're new, not realizing just how fast those ferries come. And the, the water sprites, people that rent the, the little ones, They'll get in the channel and they'll start zipping around back and forth doing zigzags. I know. They, I would try to ride the <clears throat> wake oh my gosh. on that. And then the lifeguards, yeah, they, yeah. they yell at you. We're, we're really, yeah. Um, so, you know, that, I mean, I had one time I was driving, and this is just one of many examples. But, you know, one time I'm driving, I'm full speed, 
and I'm I'm not very far, and this water sprite comes in front of me, and like I had the full reverse, and I just laid on my horn. I mean, on the, of the Fowler, unfortunately, so it wasn't very loud. It would have been much more uh, noticeable on the Irvine, but you know, it, I just blew on the horn, and then next thing, it's you know. Lake Patrol 2, Fowler. And, you know, there's a sprite in the middle of the ferry boat channel, and then they, they come and yell at them. So Lake Patrol usually does a pretty good job keeping people out. But I, I just I don't understand what goes through people's heads to, to, to go through. And actually, there was a death. Um, several, uh, uh, there was a, hold on, let me think for a second. Yeah. I believe there was an incident. It, it was quite a while ago, many years ago, in the 80s, with, with a, uh, a lady that, uh, tried to that got in front of a ferry boat and tried to save her kid was able to do so, but she didn't make it. And the way this Wait, I, what I, happened now? Yeah, it was I, okay. Details are sketchy because this is like you know it's not urban legend because it happened, but you know some of the details of it might be. Right. But yeah, so, several years ago there was you know a water one of the rentable watercrafts were brought were were coming across the channel. And the ferry boat had it, it was very, very close to the ferry boat. So the way the ferry boats operate is the, the front end pulls and the back end pushes when you're in forward. So when the sprite got in front, the first thing you do is go to reverse. When you reverse, that pushes the prop wash out the front of the boat in, in reverse, right, to stop your motion. So now it's, it's pushing. Well, that flipped over the sprite and caused a death, oh. effectively. So... Yeah, that was um, it, we're, we're really in that scenario. You're almost better off to just go neutral, at least on the bow engine, because they have a better chance of surviving if they're not. There's nothing turning. Right, <laughs> you know? right. You can still use the, the the stern, but that's if we ever have a situation where a guest is overboard, it's immediately engines neutral. That's the first thing you do, and then okay. code five hundred, which wow. I always wanted to do. Um, so it's <laughs> one of those watercraft dork things, but yeah. So it, it boggles my mind that the sprites are. That's a whole. It, it, it boggles my mind how people just they just don't realize how quick they come, and they're told at the resorts. Yes, they are. They're they're definitely told Get these out of are the, the way. areas. Stay out of the way of the transportation boats, but they don't listen. You know, they're they come up behind people on the smaller boat. I'd come up behind people, and they got the camera out, and they're you know panning back and forth, and you're like you honk, you know, and they still get they honk again, and you know, eventually by the, like the third time they get it, and but um, well, you know, there is that there there is that entire uh, discussion to have about natural selection. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I that, couldn't you know, agree more. There there are times times when nature you know dictates a certain course of events because mm-hmm. you know i've said it before some people are too stupid to live <laughs> and yeah it, it's you know and, and and from the uh i guess kind of kind of switching gears from the because you mentioned nature the other thing that people probably if you experience a, a delay in watercraft transportation at the magic kingdom chances are it's related to one of two things um one, I'm sorry, three things. One is an ECV transfer on the blue route. So the blue route is the route that goes from the Contemporary to the Lodge to the campground. It's only in Bay Lake. Mm-hmm. Those boats do not have the capability to take ECVs. As a courtesy, they will recall, you know, the pilots can call and request that a cruiser capable of ECV transfers comes and picks up along the route. Doing so can sometimes cause service delays. Okay. Um, so that's always the judgment of the coordinator to make. Um, personally, when I would be in that situation, I would say, I will call for one, but when are you planning on coming back? Because if they're planning to come back in the middle of the fireworks rush, that's not really, you know, say, you know, you might want to use alternate transportation when you come back. I can't guarantee that they're going to allow a pickup. Um, the other thing is the electrical water pageant, which everyone loves, but it's been causing a Nightmare for the operation since 1971. Uh, so that, that always causes a delay because the water pageant, when it is running, you have to stay 100 feet from it and, you, and be in no wake speed, which is very slow. So you have that issue. When it goes through the water bridge, it claims priority. So they, it has to hold up all the traffic wanting to go through. So if pilots don't communicate correctly they or other situations happen, it can cause a delay. The third thing is lightning after the monorail accident when they were 
looking at all aspects of our of the operation they determined that we're now an attraction well not not that we're in attraction but that we're they're bringing out some of our policies in line with attractions okay it was a number of things for instance like having uh the 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 colors of the lines on the boats a transition line right a line that you're not allowed to cross things like that they brought in line with the colors and attractions in addition to that whenever there's a lightning strike within five miles of the kingdom nobody's on the water yeah (laughs) (laughs) right and attractions goes down the outdoor attractions go down and we have to take all of our launches down even though they have lightning protection they determine it's too much of a risk because it's a fiberglass bottom if they were struck it could potentially blow a hole in the bottom and then you know it sinks that, I, that would not be it wouldn't be good so no, when a, i worked it's a at, pr problem yeah when i worked at expedition everest it was like if lightning is i don't like 20 miles away it's we're down we're down because that's just a giant lightning rod yeah that entire oh, yeah. Tra- <laughs> the entire yeah. structure is a lightning rod. Yeah, right exactly. <laughs> exactly so uh so they they take the launches and shut them down, which means we have to move other boats around to accommodate this. That process of moving boats to get things consistently moved takes 15 to 20 minutes easily. Now throw into it, if this happens at 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon when monorails decide to do a switch or monorails go down, and then we're dealing with reduced capacity ourselves, that's where the biggest problem comes in. And, I mean, there's nothing that can be done about it. There, um, With the... Grand Floridian DVC wing, you know, coming and the increased capacity we're expecting due to Fantasyland. Um, there's been rumors that they've bought two additional, uh, uh, not two, it was three or four additional cruisers and that they would get rid of the launches because the launches are. And the launches are the smaller ones, the smaller the ones. modified sailboats, yes. basically. The cruisers are the ones that are covered. Yes, exactly. And they have and a much higher capacity. Much higher capacity, better you know, ECV capability. Um, and so it's also the fact that the capacity of the launches are 39, but really you're lucky to get 35. And strollers have gone from being not so big to being gigantic oh please right so <laughs> you know i mean you know these people's people, choice it's people are you know, pushing but, small buses around yeah, the park oh, pretty minutes. much and that takes a lot of room on those launches and um so it's a capacity issue and it's also the you know the lightning issue so that those, those are the two you know biggest things but um that that uh cause an interruption to service and right. it, there's nothing we can do about it right. we're just you know we're told you know that's it's it's coming from higher up and there's yeah, unfortunately, we're kind of stuck. So what would you um, tell people like in terms of tips or, you know, guidance when dealing, if, you know, if you're not going to rent a car and you're going to rely solely on Walt Disney World transportation, what are some of the things you think people need to know? At the end of the night, after fireworks, take the ferry boat. The line might look longer, but our capacity is a lot higher than monorails. I mean, how many people? 600. 600 people on a ferry boat. That's the official capacity. Now, uh, 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 during those periods, are they running more than one ferry boat? Yeah, at night and in the morning, they run three ferry boats. Okay. So, in fact, they've done, I won't go into the crazy details of it, but they've managed to figure out a way that they can load almost two ferry boats at the same time. Um, now that's subject to water level restrictions and things of that nature. But what they do at the magic kingdom is they, they have two slips. They have a main slip and a temp slip and they have the same at the TTC. So what they've managed to do is right after the fireworks, they load whatever boats in the main slip and then they have the one in the temp slip waiting. And as soon as that one is done, you know, they close the gates on that one. They start loading the one, in the temp slip. And what that does is it makes it so they can then immediately send that one. They don't have to wait for the one, you know, that, that just loaded to, go through its procedure and get out and then wait for the next one to come in and dock and go through that whole process. And it, it shaves quite a few minutes off the wait time. Um, and so they, they've done that to try and increase it. Um, they've made some changes regarding the queue and such that, that makes it a little bit more manageable. Um, so that, that's a big thing. At, at the end of the night, you know, take the ferry boat. There's three of them running. Uh, it's, it's much quicker uh, the majority of the time than, than the monorails are going to be. Um, and the, uh, the next one is what every person is told when they 
make a dining reservation, allow an hour and a half. I don't care if you're going from the Magic Kingdom to the Contemporary allow and an you plan and on walking there. <laughs> plan an hour and a half because exactly. you just never know. Okay, maybe that's a little extreme. If you're walking, you're probably pretty safe. Right. But, you know, um, you just never know what can ha- you You could be in a hurry and you're going to walk. I only need 15 minutes, except that you didn't realize the vice president was there, and they've closed off the, the walkway, and you have to wait for that whole process. Well, just in general. It could happen. I mean, if you're going you know? to have to get on a bus or a boat yeah. to go to dinner, give yourself 90 minutes. Yeah. Give yourself 90 at least. minutes. At it, least. It, it's really not. It, it seems so crazy to a lot of people, but it's really not, because you just never know what can happen. You know, buses have to deal with accidents on roadways. Uh, we have to deal with, you know, monorails going down that'll cause us to get backed up. We, you have to, you just never know. So that, that's the, uh, that's the biggest thing there. That's not an issue for me. You know? I, I'm, I do that with everything in life. I'm never yeah. casually late. You yeah. know, no, no, right. he's not. Yeah. He's <laughs> he kills himself to make sure he's not late. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, it, it's, um, th- those are the two biggest things and, and just know that when it's, um, you know, when it's busier, the busy season, that obviously might have to get increased a little bit. Uh, and in the amount of time it, it takes you know, to get between places because it's just going to be a greater uh, guest flow that, that can be created from it. But um, those are the, those are the two, it's so simple, but that's really all it is to transportation. Is right. You just have to allow more time and not, not try to um, – and, and if you are really short, take a cab. That's the well, – at the kingdom, you still have to go across the lake to get a cab. But, you know, other scenarios, I, I hang out on the transportation boards, and a lot of it deals with should I do Disney transportation or take a cab? And if you're really short on time, you know, you take a cab or risk the, the reservation, you know, being moved. Things like the hoop-de-doo. <laughs> the hoop-de-doo is, um, you know, at the campground, and a lot of people come to the kingdom and then get the boat to the campground. And uh, it's always a rush. Um, you know, we, we have the two, two boats that can handle that rush unless we have something else going on regarding the rain or regarding monorails. Um, and so that, that's a big thing is the, the hoop doo And the thing with the hoop doo it's not like a normal ADR where you can, you know, show up late and they'll, they'll kind of work with you. It's once that show starts. 15, you have a 15-minute window once the show starts until they actually lock the doors. After that, you're not getting in. Because uh, so, I've been in a situation where I was quite late or had a friend who was quite late for it. And uh, we, we learned that out. So we kind of got lucky because one of the actors let us in. But um, yeah, that's really, that's, those are the two simplest things. Um, uh, you know, and I mean, regarding friendship in Sasagula, it's kind of the same thing. Those friendship boats are, uh, I, I was on them the other let's day. Say, again, for people who may not be familiar with this, let's yeah, make sorry. sure we're talking, you're letting them know <laughs> what it is we're talking about. All right. Sa- Sasagula is the area uh, near downtown Disney. Yes. Right. That goes to uh, Port, or- that, that waterway goes up to Port Orleans, goes up to Old Key West. You can rent uh, watercraft at downtown Disney at the marina. You can also rent them at Port Orleans and at Old Key West. Mm-hmm. And that's a really cool route to take. Yeah. Does that go to Saratoga Springs too? Yes, it, it goes past Saratoga Springs. I don't know if Saratoga has a marina. I don't think so. I don't think they do. Um, they might. I might be wrong on that, but I don't think they do. Yeah, I'm not sure. But I know you can rent them at Port Orleans. You can rent them at Old Key West. And that, I think, is probably one of the most scenic mm-hmm. routes. But it's also, in points, very narrow. And you are yeah. dealing with watercraft transportation. Uh, yeah. there as well yeah because there are boat launches out of old key west and port orleans going to downtown disney so and these are narrower waterways but i'll tell you something yeah. that that ride up that waterway to old key west i think is one of the most beautiful and relaxing mm-hmm. um, or going over to port orleans i i absolutely love that if you haven't done that uh you should definitely do it you can rent them at downtown disney and, and take the sasagula um, over there, but yeah, and um, I, I I like the Sasagula boats because they um, I, I could never stand to work there because it's like two routes and only one kind of boat. I would get very bored. But the from from the guest perspective, I love the fact that they have a sensors on them or, or some kind of GPS capability where they're able to uh, as they change where they are, the music on the boat changes. And, and mm. I, I think that's a really cool touch that's cool, that yeah. you don't have on any other uh, of the other boats. Um, 
at Disney World. And, uh, you know, and then the um, at Epcot, you have the friendship boats that are both in the World Showcase Lagoon and then also that do the loop to the to the Swan and Dolphin and the, the boardwalk and the Yacht and Beach Club. The Yacht and and Beach then Club. Go over to, they also go over to Hollywood Studios. Yeah. You know, I was really annoyed with that. I, I just, I was, I was, I was on the boat and I went from Epcot. I'm sorry. I was at the Swan and Dolphin. We had dinner. And we were going over to Epcot. So we wait for the boat that's going to Epcot, and it picks us up at the Swan and Dolphin, and then it goes to the Yacht and Beach Club, and then it goes to the Boardwalk, and then it goes to Epcot. And I thought, okay, well, at least on the way out, we'll be the first stop, because I'm thinking that it... No. They reverse it. (laughs) I went to the Boardwalk, and then the Yacht and Beach Club, and then... The, uh, the Swan and Dolphin, I can't figure out, I wasn't able to get an answer before recording this as to why they do that, if there's a specific, because I mean, you, you, then you have the guests at the Swan and Dolphin that are the last, you know, have to wait the longest right. both times, at least like, you know, with, with, with ours, it's at the Magic Kingdom, like for instance, with the Grand Floridian, who always asks, what's the first stop? Your stop. But, you know, the, the um, you, if you want to be the first into the kingdom, first stop, and you take the monorail. If you want to be the first stop out of the kingdom, you take the boats. And and our route doesn't change. It doesn't reverse. Right. <laughs> uh, except in odd circumstances where there's a lot of boats on the route and they'll let us reverse because it makes more sense. But generally speaking, it's always the same way. Whereas Epcot, they seem to reverse. The, uh, the friendship boats seem to reverse. So I, I have no idea what's up with that. <laughs> but, well, all right. Well, Tommy, thank you so much yeah. for... Uh, for coming in and talking with us today. I want to remind everybody to, uh, hold on a second. Um, I want you to switch to my screen as I do this. All right. Three, two, one. Well, thank you very much, Tommy, for coming in and talking to us today about some transportation. I want to remind everyone that you can find link links to information about what we talk about on this and all our shows. Podcast.wdwinfo. Whoops. Three, two, one. Come back to my screen. Three, two, one. You can find links to this and uh, all the things we talk about on our show on our podcast show notes page, podcast.wdwinfo.com. You can also check out a lot of the videos and great stuff that Dustin puts up on our YouTube channel. And yeah. Be sure to check that out. And of course, you can friend all of us on face or most of us on Facebook and on Twitter. You can find links to that as well on the show notes page. Again, thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Dustin. That will do it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back with you again next time with another edition of the Diz Unplugged. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.